0: Studio once again. How are things, Kyle?
1: I'm doing really good, man. How are you?
0: I'm fantastic. We are one day out from the top one hundred um from episode one of our our top one hundred American wrestlers of all time. Gonna be counting down numbers one hundred through ninety one. Kyle, do you have any guesses who might be on the list?
1: I have a couple. Uh boy, if uh John Smith and Jordan Burroughs don't make the top one hundred, we we got some real issues.
0: I'm talking 100 through 91.
1: Oh, you said the list. Okay, so I just.
0: Uh, Anybody who thinks, sure. yeah, that's a that's a, not a fair question because you know. Um,
1: I know. I know. But it would be tough to actually think,
0: guess who's up that high.
1: That's
0: true. That's You're very true. It,
1: uh, and we talked about this when we we spoke briefly boy it's it's a daunting task, and a, a few people have asked me about how the how you went about it in the process and it is uh it took a long, long time
0: Yes, yes, as is it will appear tomorrow. really excited for that. hope folks get a chance to check it out um but let's not waste any more time. I want to get to our guest today. It is Evan Wick he is now at Cal Poly out in beautiful San Luis Obispo where it's like paradise weather by the beach always beautiful how you doing this this morning right it's it's uh west coast is eight thirty. how are things with you
2: pretty good uh it's a little sunny outside um super nice i went outside and just read my book and kind of soaked up the sun a little bit and chilling out got a busy schedule today um training just losing weight for michigan state we got coming up on saturday uh, we're flying out tomorrow super excited for that but other than that I'm doing great. How you guys doing?
0: I'm I'm fantastic, man. I'm glad to get a chance here to catch up with you. Um, and I don't think we've had you on the show before, and I like to start this kind of a lot of ways with the same people, right? Just kind of taking things back, and I want to get to college and the Michigan State Open and, and present day. But, you know, everybody's got a story of how they got into wrestling, and I'm just curious, like, what's you? How old were you? How did it get introduced to you? What are your earliest memories? Um, stuff like that.
2: I was 11 years old and I think a lot of wrestlers, like their story starts out with their dad was a wrestler or, or like their family is very serious into wrestling. My family never like, <clears throat> we were actually a big football family, but I was way too small to be a football player back in the day. I was like, the, the weight limit was like 140 pounds in Pop Warner for I think sixth seventh grade. And I was like 75 pounds. So I was just getting clobbered by mm. guys. It's kind of miserable. And, I remember we, I asked my parents if I go to wrestling practice and actually Xander didn't go with me to that wrestling practice. He had like drama or something and I had wrestled a couple kids who weren't really that great, but they'd been wrestling for like two or three years. And like my first day in, I went in and was like, I just wanted to hurt people. So I like went in and just tried to beat up people as much as I could. I'm not that kind of wrestler anymore, but that's who I was back in the day. And I remember I just. My first tournament ever, I just like throw guys in head and arms. Like I just reach for a head and arm as best I could. I just pull them down to the mat and slam them. I took second my first tournament ever. Um, but yeah, that was in Lake Elsinore. Started wrestling there. My second year, I took second at Kids State. Um, and then after that, things were a little stagnant. And then we were trying to do private lessons and we stumbled onto a guy named John as a veto who the year before was actually the head coach at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. He'd retired and was doing privates with us. And then he landed at a high school position. So we followed him first year in high school. I don't even think they had me like ranked in the, to go to state or anything. Um, And I ended up going to state. I was ranked like fourth in state, but I choked and lost like round before blood rounds. Um, But then as time went on, I just really, really bought into Coach Azevedo's training. You know, just really selfless, really athlete-oriented. I I think I've probably seen the guy get mad like two times in my life. Um, And I ended up my senior year in high school attacking and pinning everyone at the state tournament. I got the Dave Schultz Award and went on to University of Wisconsin, wrestled there under Barry Davis for two years. I was his last match, took third NCAAs. Some people probably remember that. Of course. and then um, coaching changed. Chris Bono uh, was the coach. wrestled there for two more years, then took an Olympic red shirt during COVID, which honestly was like COVID was a really good refresher. And um, that year I wrestled at the Olympic trials, had some of the best performances I've ever had. Um, and then came back here to California to wrestle at Cal Poly. Um, and it was great because my brother ended up committing here. Um, John is the is a SoCal RTC coach here. Uh, My brother's coaching here in a kids' club, so it's an incredible opportunity.
0: Cool. Man, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, And just for everything you said, I got a a bunch of questions. We'll just start with back at the beginning, right? You're like, uh, when I first started, I just wanted to, like, hurt kids. And that's not your Mm -hmm. style today, but why was that? Was it because you felt you were behind, like, with with technique or understanding the sport, so it's just, like, full-on aggression was going to get you wins at a young age, or were you, like (laughs) – were you an angry or, or physical or very aggressive young kid?
2: Oh, I was an angry and physical aggressive kid. I don't know why. I just, I wanted to like, I wanted to hurt people as best I could. I remember I'd get like double arm barred back in the day. And I remember I would be like down there and the kid would have both my arms. And I would like pull their arms like this and hope I could hurt them. And I had <laughs> some kids I would hurt them from, I would be double arm barred. You'd be on but bottom. I was just like, from bottom, getting <laughs> double arm barred. So I'd pull my arms in and the kid's like doubles and Squeeze out when they'd start crying and I was like I don't know I just i I was weird like that I just wanted to hurt kids and i I, I didn't really get hurt a lot either, so yeah. it was easy
0: okay um how would you describe your- like because like that's not your earlier style today one how would you describe your style today and two where did that come from right where where did you go from the physically aggressive and like want to hurt kids kind of mentality or style to like what you would describe as, as the way you wrestle today?
2: Well, I think After a while you guys it doesn't work, you know, so I wanted to win more than I wanted to hurt people at the end of the day So when I realized that it wasn't working, I was like, okay, I got to I got to change this um, and I couldn't really figure it out for a while. I remember like a few years trying out leg attacks and they didn't work And I'd like cry to my dad that leg attacks don't work. I'm never gonna do them again but in my mind, I knew I was like, "Hey, I gotta start shooting the legs." It seems like the best guys are shooting the legs. And then when I went to as um, a veto was when he would start breaking down video. Like I remember, he would show me videos of Chance Marsteller because I was like, I was in eighth grade, and Chance Marsteller, I think was a sophomore or junior in high school. Was a few times state champion, almost pound for pound best at the time. Yeah, for sure. Showed me a bunch of videos of Chance Marsteller and his technique, and I really then kind of transitioned from. I want to hurt people To I want to show my skill and my technique and and what I've developed. So after that, I've just really started to develop into a style where I want to be versatile and be able to attack people from, from different positions and catch them off guard. Um, That's really, I think that's my, my goal is going to a match. And if a guy doesn't know what to expect at any point in the match, you're probably doing something right. You know? Yeah.
0: That's a great way to put it. Um, keep him, keep him unsuspecting, right? Mm. That transition—I don't know. Like, like then I realized I needed to be more learning these things from John and change your approach. Was that a quick thing, or did that take time? That took time.
2: Um, I think in the beginning I was a little stubborn in my ways. It was—I was like ex- had a lot of match anxiety back in the day, so. As much as I would listen to him, you know, I was a good listener. I was coachable. Going out in the mat, I just kind of do the same things over and over. Um, and then, just with how he was as a coach, I really started to open up. You know, it was, it was really all about me. I, I tell a lot of guys. I think the best thing a coach can do, um, or where coaches can shine, is when their athletes lose. You know, because I think a lot of coaches get mad, and then they want to change the coaching, like what they're doing as a coach where really I think the best coaches I've had is when you lose, they look at everyone and say, we're going to do the exact same things, right? Like this program works. What we're going to, what I'm doing right now, what I'm coaching you guys to do wasn't a mistake. I don't care if you guys lost, right? We're going to keep doing this because this is what it takes to get better. And that's what coach Azevedo did. And for me, it was like, okay, well, it doesn't matter if I lose or not. I'm doing the right things, right? I know regardless of when I go off the mat, I know what I got to do. So um, at that point, that just kind of, was really relieving to me and relieved a lot of my, my anxiety for matches. You know, we just he he knew what we needed to do, so it was easy to follow.
0: That's a great um I, I like that that anecdote you just gave, like we're not you lost, but the plan's still the same. It doesn't change, right? And I, I like that yeah. approach. What was Coach Azevedo's style? And by style I mean like physically in the room or or when when you're on the mat coaching how would you describe the way he coached um whether it was I guess I'll just leave it at that.
2: So as like as a coach on the mat I can tell you he was very 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 calm, right? And it was probably easy because I was an 8th grader at the time, so it's like I know if I was coaching an 8th grader, I'm not going to get like super anxious, you know, before the match or anything. Cuz I remember a few times my my dad was my coach. And I I, I love him to death, but he's just like full of anxiety. And he's a, he's a nervous wreck sometimes. And I would like, I remember I'd throw up sometimes. I was, I was so nervous. You know, my dad's screaming in the corner, all this stuff. And when coach John got on the mat, it was kind of like, you know, you watch Kale Sanderson in the corner, just super quiet. He just tells you what you need to know. You know, there's, there's no extra, you know, it's like, okay. Like he would tell me, if I couldn't score on a guy. He'd tell me something. Like I remember in the freak show one time, he's like, Fake club inside arm this side, right? And I did it. And I couldn't touch the kid's legs, but I did. I got so deep and I took the kid down. And from that point on, I was like, I'm listening to this dude, right? But so calm, it just really calmed me down in the match, you know? I think a lot of athletes need that, you know? It's not it's not so big of a deal that the coach needs to panic in the corner. But in the room, he's he's pretty intense. Not like yelling at people, but he expects you to be drilling hard. He expects when we're going live, you're focused and you're trying to score points. Um, he's yelled at guys a couple times in the room. I was never really the uh, the target for that, but I can't. I think he yelled at me once. I was rolling around at Iowa Nationals my sophomore year in high school. It's weird that I remember all this stuff. It's great. But I was like, I was beating this guy. I think it was Bryce West was his name from Iowa. And um, I was beating him pretty good, and then I, picked, I chose bottom, and the second was rolling around, and I got stuck on my back once. And then the, I from I went from like winning by eight points to only winning by two points, and he screamed at me from the corner. I'll never forget it. First time I ever heard him. He, he never swears. First time I ever heard him swear in my life. But,
0: you don't have to repeat the exact words, but like <laughs> – what did he say? And like, More so, hot. what's your reaction, right? I've never heard this guy like, seemingly lose his cool at all. Not that he lost his cool, but he got worked up, right? Um, what did that do to you on the mat? Did you kind of freeze up? Did you react real quick and adjust and like, all right, get in gear because this guy's up my ass?
2: Immediately adjusted. Like yeah. I've, I've never adjusted so well in my life. Like I remember I was just like rolling, rolling around because I wanted easy points. And then at that point, I was like, okay, these points are gonna, aren't going to come easy. Right, I gotta, I gotta focus up. But he was like, he looked at me and he looked angry. He's like, Evan, quit flopping around. And then he turned around and he's like, F. Ah. <laughs> it was kind of funny. But and my my parents do think to this day the funniest thing ever. But he was just he was getting frustrated that I was rolling around and throwing the match away. But I ended up winning, so yeah, he, he helped. Me.
0: I ah, uh, I I mean I appreciate guys like John who are super calm and. That's how I know him, right? And I know him to be a great guy. Um, but I always want to hear – like everybody gets flies off the handlebar at some point. Everybody gets worked up, and so I always like to hear like, what does it take to get this guy animated? And uh, so oh, thank you.
2: It, it, Go- it takes a ton for for as a veto. and that yeah. was as a coach. That's another thing you can do well because I've had some coaches who are just constantly angry, and when they yell at you, you're just like, okay, it's another, it's just another day of. Coach whoever being coach whoever. But yeah. when Coach John got angry, everyone listened. He's never angry. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, so you, you know, going through your what you just led off with, like your your senior year, you tech pinned, I think you said your way through the state tournament. And so it sounds like you made a big, big jump in there at some point. Was that due to Coach Azevedo, or what what was this big jump and domination due to
2: due to Coach as a veto, um, certainly I would say that was probably seventy eighty percent of it. But I also I went to Fargo my because i only I only took fourth at state my my junior year. I broke my ankle on my birthday, January tenth at Doc B, uh, my junior year, and it was still kind of recovering. Didn't have like the best state tournament, but still I don't I don't know if I could have won it. I wasn't really that great at the time. Um, but then, I, you know, because I broke my ankle, I had to take a break. I went up a couple weight classes. Um, and I went to Fargo in between my junior and senior year. So I went 138, my junior year, 152, my senior year. And, um, I went 152 at Fargo, my, my junior year. And I remember I was supposed to go 145, but the coaches came up and they were like, California has way too many guys at 145. We need someone to go up. And for some reason I was just like, all right, I'll do it just randomly. You know, my family's flying out and everything um so i don't know why i did it you know if you're taking things seriously you probably don't want to change up last second but for some reason i was like uh you know i'll do it i don't want to cut any weight and i wrestled and i remember i wrestled hayden Hydley, who was the one seed i think i was seeded like probably 15th or something and i wrestled him in the quarterfinals, and i beat him 14 to 13 probably like one of the best matches you can watch super like barn burner he went up Mm -hmm. by eight points um, and then I stormed back and, and beat him by one point for on a last second takedown. But I think it was just um, it was just me taking those those small little steps to tell myself that like you know it doesn't really matter we just we need to compete you know it doesn't matter what weight I go it just matters what, like how I compete you know and I think that that tournament was super big for me because uh, because I did take those steps you know before it was like I kind of had this scarcity mindset of, like, I have to I have to do everything perfectly in order to succeed, right? Everything needs to be perfect. Everything needs to be organized and in a line. I need to know what's going on. I need to know everyone I'm wrestling, right? But then I bumped up a weight, and it was like, okay, well, I'm not cutting weight. I don't I don't know who's in my weight class. I'm, this was, like, two days before the tournament. And I was like, you know what? All I need to do is compete. And that tournament, I went out there with that mindset, probably the first time I ever did. And I beat some of the top guys and took – Second at Fargo. You know, I never placed the year before I went one and two at Fargo. And then, you know, I take second at Fargo, um, bumping up a weight, no less. Yeah. I remember having like after weighs I couldn't even drink like one full pound of, of fluid. I was cutting so little weight. You know,
0: that's great. Yeah. And would it be fair to say that that maybe that tournament gave you a jump? But it sounds like it was a mental jump more than, like, a physical or, or like, what's happening on the mat. It was, like, a more uh, a belief or an understanding of, like, how to be successful. Would that be fair?
2: Yeah, it was just put everything aside. Put everything aside and just compete. You know, I think everyone goes on to the mat with so much in their head, and they think that it takes so much to be prepared for a match. When really, at the end of the day, like, especially even at the D1 level, I see so many guys who, like, you know, they they choke right before the match, and it's like we're all doing the right things. We're all doing everything we need to do to go out there and and be successful. I mean, not win, we not everyone can win, of course. but at least be successful and have a good match. You know, everyone's doing the right things, so I think that was a big mental step for me um, in showing that hey, all we got to do is go out there and wrestle our artists.
0: I think something you said is really interesting, and I think. I've been a victim of it and probably a lot of a lot of people was right, like we y'all have so much everybody's got so much going on in their head. Maybe some people choke right before the match. Like, what do you mean? You don't have to say anybody specific, but right, there's every team that my team, your team, this team, that team, this this I I believe also happens.
2: Well, I mean, I think when especially when you look at D one guys, it's yeah. like we've been doing this for thirteen years. We have the most experience in the world like in the world at this sport, right? We're the best that we can possibly be. Coaches at the D1 level know what they're doing, right? So we got a good training schedule. you got terrific partners, right? you got guys coming from across the entire country to train with you. And then for some reason they go out there and, they, you know, they get tired in the first minute or um, they don't shoot at all. You know, they, they go out there and their statues. But I think it's just there's a lot of self-doubt and there's a lot of things going on in their head when really it's like you just need to focus on one thing, you know, one or two things in your match and you'll be good. I think the same thing goes for practice. Like we got a kid at Cal Poly right now He's probably one of the hardest workers I've ever seen in, in my life. Right. The kid works out like four or five times a day. Right. But he's not very um, effective with how he does it. You know, I think he, he has so much anxiety even going into practice and he wants to be so good right now that he focuses on like 10 different things at practice and then come live. You know, he doesn't get a takedown and he breaks and then, the rest of practice is shot. And it's like, how do you expect to focus on 10, 10 different things in practice? You know, I tell them every day, I'm like, dude, just pick one thing. Just pick one or two things to get better at today. That's all. That's all it takes. There's plenty of time.
0: That's great. Do you almost feel like, uh, do do you embrace a leadership role today? Yeah. sounds like
2: it. I mean, I'm, I'm a sixth year and I have a lot. lot of experience Um, and there's also other leaders on the team guys at Cal Poly who know the coaches who know um, where we're at and the way things are going to go this year Um, so they're kind of a leader for me to follow but I think when it comes to technique and things like that um, I'm a returning two-time All-American three-time if you count COVID so I think if guys need help I'm, I'm there for them and you know I like my little brother's here and it's his first year in college so I like the kind of show him the way.
0: Sure. Uh, transitioning in, into Wisconsin, right? And maybe it stems from this Fargo and then the dominance the senior year. Like third, third place as a freshman is amazing, right? It's really, really good. I don't know what percentage of – it's a very minuscule place in the top three as a freshman, right? Hardly, hardly anybody does. Did you have right. that confidence coming in? And I think you redshirted for a year, so maybe you know, maybe that had something to do with this still, right? A redshirt freshman. Was it expectation to be that successful?
2: Uh, no, not at all. I, I don't think many people had that expectation for me to do that well. I think I was ranked like 18th or 19th in the country my first tournament. Um, wasn't like super highly touted. I had a good summer, right? Like I wrestled and I beat David McFadden, who was a returning All-American. Hayden Heidley, I think I beat twice that summer. Um, so I had a I had a, a great summer. But... No one really expected me to do that well, and I think I really thrived on that. And I went into—I remember—I wrestled the Michigan State Open was actually my first college tournament. I wrestled Logan Massa, and I got majored like—I think he beat me by ten points, like really put it on me. I got the first takedown, but he ended up beating me by ten points in spite of that, In spite of that, um, but I'll never forget—I came off the mat, and this never really happened. I, th- I think. Wrestlers, you know their their perfectionism gets the the better of them. But I I came off the mat and I was like, I looked at all my buddies and I was like, I'm gonna beat that guy the next time wrestling. I know you guys don't think it's gonna happen. I'm gonna beat that guy. Like I can beat him. And they were looking at me like I'm crazy. Like I I just got beat by ten points. Right by the guy who took third NCAA's last year, and I'm not even ranked. Right. Finished up that tournament. Had a great tournament. Then went to Bakersfield. Beat another couple ranked guys. Wasn't too crazy. Um, Then the week after that, so two weeks later after I lost to Logan Massa, I wrestled him at the Cliff Keen Las Vegas. And he was the three ranked guy in the country. And I beat him eight to four. I wrote it. I wrote it down a couple times. I had like a um, social work class or something at Wisconsin. And I wrote it down. Evan Wick defeats Logan Massa like 10-4. A bunch of different situations. But just like me beating him, you know. And that was... um, that was pretty important, but I just went out there. I remember like pretty carefree, not worrying how that how the match went. I was just gonna wrestle my best. You know, when you know you can beat the guy. You just it's like, Well, I can beat him, all I gotta do is wrestle the way I wrestle. Um, so I did. But then I remember after that, things kinda went south. Like I I, I went to over winter break, I went and I came back and like I don't know, my pace wasn't right or something, I was getting tired in practice. And it was just all mental, I think. Um, lost to a couple guys I don't think I should have. Um, and it was really just beating myself up that whole year. I think I lost like six times after I beat Logan Massa um, in between NCAA, Big Ten and NCAAs. Um, and then I went to NCAAs, and I remember I was like, you know what, forget it. Like I'm just going to go out there. Same thing like when I wrestled Logan Massa. I was like, I'm just going to wrestle the way I wrestle, right? And if that doesn't... There's nothing more I can do than wrestle the way I can wrestle, right? There's, that's just the way it's going to be, right? I'm not going to worry about anything else. I'm not going to worry about matchups, what he's going to do, all this stuff. I'm just going to wrestle the way I can wrestle, and I ended up taking third. Um, so that was that was an awesome, awesome year. And I don't mm-hmm. think, I think at NCAA's I was ranked or seated 11th, so I still wasn't even ranked to place there.
0: A lot of guys during their, you know, the first year of full competition season in college, it's like, it's a grind, even if you're red redshirting your first year, but there's not the pressures of competing and making weight every week. Could that have been part of the reason of this this six match lo- losing lull, whatever you want to call it, after you beat Logan, and then you started to dip a little bit? Could that have been just like the season wearing on for you and never having experienced it?
2: I think the amount of competition. Yeah. But I wasn't cutting weight. Um. At all. I think I weighed like 169. I actually, I certified for 157 that year. I was so small. I legitimately certified for 157. Um, So I was small, not cutting too much weight. Just like, I don't know. I just got in my head before matches and locked up. Like I was always the guy in college or in high school and my the beginning of my college to like, I was going to shoot as many shots as I needed to. Like I'm just going to attack and attack and attack. And Somewhere along the line, I remember I I wrestled Isaiah White. I think I shot, like, one time in that match. And I was, like, really odd. And my coaches noticed that it was odd. But just, like, going through some mental stuff. And um, finally got through it at the end of the year.
0: Okay, let's fast forward. NCAA tournament, freshman year, third-place match. You wrestled um, Marstella, right? Yep. And you mentioned earlier in this interview, right, when I think maybe you were in eighth grade or something and video is showing you this tape of Chance Marcella, who's this, right, this, like, pound for pound, one of the best guys in the country as, like, a tenth grader. Now you're competing against him in the, in the third-place match on Saturday morning. What was that experience like um, before, during, and after? Because you didn't know you were wrestling wrestling because you had the Conti semis, right, and that Saturday is probably kind of goes fast. But, like, what do you remember about that day and being like, I okay, I've had a good run. I'm here find myself in third-place match against Chance Marsteller. And you've kind of explained to us a lot of the ways your head has evolved and grown, right, your mind throughout the years. Where are you at walking into this match? What's your opinion or, or, or viewpoint of Chance Marsteller? And how did you feel going into that match?
2: Going into the match, I, I felt pretty good. I mean, you, you make it to the third, fourth-place match. At NCAA's as a freshman and there's not really that much that much pressure at all to compete. So I remember going to the match thinking, uh, ah, you know, whatever happens, happens. You know, which was probably a good way to think. You know, I don't I don't think you need to absolutely believe you're gonna win in order to, to compete well. Um I've I've had a, a lot of matches where, you know, I, I went into it, Chance Marsler's match, for example, where I was like, I could probably lose this one. You know, I could, I could probably lose this match, but I'm going to go out there and, and give it my all. And, um, it was probably good that, you know, you only have like 45 minutes in between that Conti semis match and then the third, fourth place match. So I didn't, I didn't have much time to think about it, you know. And two, I remember after I, I wrestled, I wrestled Alex Marinelli in the consolation semifinal and my forearms were like completely shot, you know, just grabbing wrists and like, Locking my hands a lot. Um, I locked up a couple cradles in, the, in that match. And I remember my, my forearms... I couldn't even, like, open my, my hands. My forearms were, were cramping so much. Um, my my trainer, basically, just for, like, 30 minutes, had to, like, roll out my forearms, you know. And um, it was probably good just to get my mind off that. I didn't even know until, like, probably 15, 20 minutes before the match who I had. I knew I had Marsteller. Um But he was... It was definitely on my mind that, you know, I had been watching Chance Marsteller video with my high school coach for, like, three years um, before. And I was kind of nervous about that, to be honest. But once I went out on the mat and I was like, eh, last match of the day, last match of the season, let's just make it happen. And I actually – I wrestled pretty well. I got to my leg attacks. He was actually up 4-1 going into the second. He picked – I picked top. And then I ended up pinning him in, like – 20 seconds in the second period when he picked when I picked top, um, he tripodted I cradled and rolled him through and pinned him
0: when you picked top did you were you thinking cradle or were you just thinking top you know turns whatever pins
2: I looked over at Barry Davis and I remember Barry liked me to pick top a lot like there were sometimes he maybe picked top I wasn't necessarily comfortable with it um but I remember I looked over and he was like all right we're gonna pick top and when when Barry told me to pick top, or like Barry knew I was good at a cradle, so I was like, "All right, I'm going for a cradle." And I don't know, I don't know why Marsteller tripoded there. I mean, you got to know. I mean, throughout the whole tournament, I pretty much cradled everybody except, I think maybe Logan Massa in the in the round before the quarters. I pretty much cradled everybody, so he had to have known that it was coming. But um, he tripoded. I remember he reached back for my head, and I just locked up the cradle and suicided it. And, um, cradled him, but I knew for sure, um, especially at the time I, I couldn't really turn high level guys without the cradle, you know, so I, I was going for the cradle.
0: Yeah. I remember that clear as day. I, I, I was, I was surprised. I was shocked. Right. I was like, holy cow. I think a lot of people were right. Um, so, and congratulations, that was, that was, uh, a fantastic finish, right? I'm sure. To the end of the freshman year, um, you come out you're All American again uh, as a sophomore, and I think the next year, if I'm remembering this correctly, was the COVID year. Yep. Right, and then and then you make the decision to to leave. Um, and I don't know if you initially knew you were going to go to Cal Poly or not. I think there was a couple schools, right? But what what was the decision to leave, and and your reasoning behind that? Um.
2: I just really felt like I I needed a change of scenery. When you're at the same place for for five years, um, I don't know. It's 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 kind of tough to do that day in and day out, you know. And I, I think the reason that I did it was because I went, um, I went back over COVID to um California, and I was living there, and I was training with my high school coach, right, um, and just from having something like a different experience again, like going from Wisconsin and having that experience and then coming back to California and, and getting a completely different coaching change, I'd gotten exponentially better. Right. And I was like, okay, I just, I need something different this year. It was a little stagnant at Wisconsin for me at least. So I just knew that in order for me to get better, I to get the best I can this next year, um, I need, I need to go somewhere else. I need to, I need to seek a new training situation. Um, and it was tough. I mean, I, I've i been at Wisconsin for five years. I, I missed the place in the summer, at least. <laughs> Not in the winter. <laughs> but um, I don't know how Ben Askren... Ben wants to live there, I think, the rest of his life. I don't know how he's going to do that, man.
0: That's
2: it. Living well, in that cold is, is too much for me.
0: Yeah, same uh, here. I prefer the warm weather.
2: No, I don't want to do that. But uh, um, it, was, it was just... I also knew I wanted to be somewhere that I was like truly happy. The best times the times that I've competed my best were when I was I was like my happiest. Um when I beat Logan Mass in my freshman year, I was like just like that was probably one of the one of the best times of my life. The team was super awesome. Um I love those guys. Um I miss those guys. Um so I knew that I need to go somewhere where I'm gonna be happy, so I picked either between Cal Poly, um, where I figured, you know, my my brothers, my high school coach, I got some friends on the team, like that could be a really good training situation. Um, The coaches are doing some great things, you know, Bernie Truex was the first All-American here in like 10 years, you know, took fourth place right around my weight, you know, so the coaches knew what they were doing, and I knew that, Um, and then I could also go somewhere like Penn State, right, where they're always bragging about having fun and being happy and how important that is, and. I, I, I know for sure I could have been happy at, at Penn State, you know. So that was, it was a tough decision, man, um, picking between those two schools. Um, but ultimately, I wanted to be close to home. I wanted to be in good weather. I know I'm probably going to come back out here um, after college anyway. So I was like, why go all the way to Penn State and come all the way back to California um, a year later when I know I'm going to end up here anyway? Yeah. So.
0: Great. Um and, and I think I mentioned you briefly like John Ceridus was a teammate of mine, right? He's your head coach at Cal Poly. He was tough as nails. Uh do you does he wrestle? Do you in scrap with you guys at all?
2: He's um <laughs> he's going to be doing it pretty soon. He had like he had like arthritis in his knee or something. He had like bone spurs. <laughs> so they went in there and like shaved it all down. So he's kind of been like I don't know, he's been hyping himself up. He thinks I can't finish a single leg on him. So, I got to I got to Show him what real single leg finishes look like.
0: I'll just, Um, I'll tell you this. He, he doesn't shoot a lot, but when he does, watch out. He used to be, he was recruited as a 133 pounder. So, you know. Oh my God. 133? I think he was recruited as a 33. Had this dyed blonde hair. Yeah. Little guy. But then it was like, oh, 41. It was all 49. Then it was like, okay. Just like, I think it was 65 in the end. And I think he transferred to Chattanooga, but yeah. Yeah. He was a little guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like uh, we talked about this year, about the freestyle success you had, right? You were third at the mini tournament, um, at the Olympic trials. I don't know. And like you were seeing that success as a freshman at the NCAA level. Now you know you're still in college and you're starting to see success at the senior level. Similar question as as before. Like, was that a surprise at all? Um, do you, did you expect yourself to do that to? To do better? Because the guys that finished ahead of you are all hammers.
2: Yeah. um, I don't think it was too surprising. I've always known that if I can go out there and wrestle my match, I'm going to do good. You know, the times where I really underperform is when, I'm, like I've said before, I, I get in my own head and I just limit myself, you know? I think when people talk about the mental battle being the biggest battle that athletes have to overcome, like... It's totally true. I think there's so many when I think of college wrestling or even even like Olympic level wrestling, like everyone's right there. You know, we, like I've said we've been doing this for fifteen years. Everyone knows the technique. You know, I always say like college wrestlers they, they know a million things, but they only do like one or two in a match. You know, yeah. but when you watch the best guys, it's the guys who go out there and open up and they do different things. You know, and, and they like I said, they can keep their opponent off guard. So I just knew that if I go out there and, and let my and truly let myself wrestle, I'm going to do pretty good. You know, um, whether or not I win or not, that's that's not really the the goal. The goal is to get better and to compete the best I can. Um, so I, I think most tournaments I've won into, or the majority of the tournaments that I've won into, um, it's it's not surprising. It's it's I, I know that I work super hard. I think about this sport a lot. I think about technique all the time. Um, I'm constantly developing and getting better. If I go out there and let myself wrestle, I'm going to do well. You know, I'm not going to surprise myself.
0: I, I, I would. I think it would be. I don't think you would disagree, right? Be fair to say that you're maybe you're the second tier of of guys at seventy four. You got, Dake and Burroughs, like two of the all time greatest, at least currently, right. at at the top of that, division in, in an Olympic year. Do you see yourself at some point being in the upper echelon, vying for team spots, vying for a world and Olympic spots, and, 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 you know, for medals?
2: Oh, absolutely. I think I have, like, a, a really good training situation here right now with Truax. The coaches are constantly flying. We had Alex Derringer come in. We had um, Chance Marsteller come in and train with us. Um, Adam Kemp is an incredible training partner. Coach uh, Chewy Christianuma is a super awesome training partner. Um, and then I got my, my high school coach, John is here. And I've just like, he's someone who's surprised me with how much better he can get me. Right. Like every, every day he comes up to me after practice with something that's like, you know, if I have a bad day and I'm thinking in my head, you know, what what do I got to do? What's the next thing I got to do? Like, he just knows, like he comes up and he's like, you just gotta be lower. And like yesterday it was like, you just gotta be lower in your stance. Like you were just a little high reaching. And if you just stay lower in your stance, you can do a lot better. And I was like, wow man like if, if i have this guy in my corner if i if i have this guy around me there's no limit to what i can do you know um and being the way i am here like happy being in a good team environment having coaches who truly care about me i know that that's gonna be a recipe for good mental success as well you know like you can be in a place you know i could have went to penn state And had all the best opportunities, had all the best benefits, good training partners, um, whatever they have, free snacks, whatever. They they got good guys coming in, mental mental people coming in. But if I'm not happy, all that means literally nothing. You know, I've I've been in that situation before. You know, Wisconsin was a pretty good training situation, but I just felt like I wasn't truly happy there, at least with my wrestling. Um, And I I wasn't competing at the highest level that I could have because of that, you know. I just needed to be around. I feel like the right people, uh, or to be in the right place. Yeah. Um, so I feel like with where I'm at now, uh, my mental success and my technical success are are, are going to get substantially better.
0: It's interesting you made that point from that, that aspect. It was like just just slow your stance a little bit, like small things, right? Like you're you're mentioning earlier, this teammate of yours who is very dedicated and works super hard, but he's focusing on ten things that we practice instead of like one little thing lower your stance And it's not even like a move right it's like i guess you would call it a positioning it's positioning. Yep. that's all it is so i, I really dig that and, and we're kind of we're, we're winding down to the end here we've got a couple segments um we like to play with our guests and the first one is with with kyle klingman over here who has been sitting by so patiently in front of bob dylan but uh you actually have an out you look like you're outline of his face you actually you set it up today like you you are bob dylan anyways go ahead you have the floor
1: I'm honored. It's our segment called Sweat It Out Five Questions for Evan Wick. Are you ready to play? I hope so. Okay. We'll see what happens here. Number one, actor Keanu Reeves plays a former hitman in what movie franchise? Um, yep, you got it. Number two, I asked you this question a couple of years ago when it was track wrestling in our seven minutes feature. So I'm going to see if you have the same answer. Who knows more about wrestling, your mom or your dad?
2: I can't even remember what I said back then. Ooh. See, this one's tough. And my parents are watching. I would I would have to say my dad probably knows a little bit more about wrestling. Uh, my mom's probably more – she likes to focus more on the mental side, I guess. Um, but my dad – my dad can tell you literally every single match I have ever had. Like, And I'm not joking. Every single match I've ever had, me and all my brothers –
0: What would your mom say to that, to the answer to this question was? Would she agree?
2: I think she would agree, but, like, she took us to a lot of practices. Like, she took us to the majority of practices, I think, when we were kids. So she might get a little offended by that. But um, I think my my dad, like, watches all these shows. My dad watches matches all the time. Um, So I'd have to give it to my dad. All right.
1: That's what you said last time, so you're consistent here. So yeah, I'm giving you that to you. All right, number three, you have to tell me either who the character was or who the actor was who said this. Rule number 76, no excuses, play like a champion.
2: That's Wedding Crashers Vince Vaughn. Um, yep. What was the scenario on that? Oh, okay. I don't remember, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Say <laughs> the Game it again, Kyle. No excuses. Rule number... 76, no excuses. Play like a champion.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Sometime they were crashing a wedding or maybe when they went yeah, to the house afterwards. Was it in the beginning?
2: Those are all completely made up rules, even in, like they're just spitballing them, right?
1: Yeah, they were. <laughs> they were. That's the beauty of it. Uh, number four, who were the first twins to win CIF state titles in the same year?
2: Well, you could either say Evan Wick and Zanderwick Wick or Jeremy Thomas and Justin Thomas. We both won the same year.
1: I'm going and the we guess. were
2: consecutive weights, so it went 45s was Xanderwick, Wick, 52 was Evan Wick, 60s was Justin Thomas, 70s was Jeremy Thomas.
0: So I guess Wicks would be the answer. Yeah,
1: I like yeah. And then number five, what three-time NCAA champion defeated three different eventual World Silver Medalist in the NCAA Championship Finals.
2: He was a three-time NCAA champion?
1: The three-time NCAA champ. Every one of his matches was against a different eventual World Silver Medalist.
0: Ah, I think I know.
1: What year? Can I ask? Yep, 82, 83, and 85. Were the years he won NCAA titles gosh and I, you know him I know him yes you know oh. him Barry Davis yep
2: <laughs> I was yeah. oh. that on that, was that one so
1: <laughs> I didn't know he did that he beat consecutive world medalists each time he beat yeah three. They didn't. They hadn't won it yet, but eventually those three wrestlers he beat in the finals won world silver medals.
0: Well, tell us who they are.
1: Okay. They are Joe McFarland. They are Kevin Darkus, and they are Gary Bohe, who wrestled for Canada.
2: Was that um, was that Barry's first year being a silver champion, or which year was that?
0: Him. That was each. Each. Those year. are the three guys he beat in the oh. finals over three different uh, years.
2: Oh, uh, okay. I thought it was in one year he beat. A bunch of different.
0: No, guys. no. Okay, you still got man,
2: it. Barry was Barry was an impressive wrestler, man. People forget how good he was. was yeah,
0: where do you think? Where know. do you think Barry Davis lands? This is a. Where do you think Barry Davis lands on the top 100? Shot in the dark. Me? Yeah, I'm. Mean, Kyle no.
2: Well, so we talking? Is it, I, I'm actually really interested in this list. Is it folk style?
0: It's folk style, freestyle, Greco, women's. It's it's the top 100 American wrestlers of all time period. And like, it, it, there's no rubric on how to grade it, right? What do NCA titles mean versus world and Olympic medals versus how many of either versus, you know, the, how, a transcendent quality to it, right? It's kind of like the full scope of someone's career. There's, you know, everybody's individual list would be different. My list is different than Kyle's, but we all came together and agreed on this list to present, Right.
2: I would say Barry Davis probably falls around
0: 60 in the top 100 of all
2: time. Is that fair?
0: I mean, you just have you have to find out. That that would be episode four, so that would be four weeks from now. Three weeks from now because episode one comes out tomorrow, episode two a week later, and so on. So y- you'll know by that episode whether or not. He's on the list. I'll, I'll give you that. I can't tell you where. He's a
2: damn good wrestler. I'd say yeah. around 60. But um, my my bets for number one are going to be probably Uvasar Satiev.
0: American wrestlers.
2: Oh, I was only American.
0: Only Americans.
2: Oh, Barry's probably a little higher then. But um, um, my number one would probably be Kale Smith or Burroughs. I mean, that's that's pretty general, but
0: I mean it's. It's very specific, but it, yeah, <laughs> those, not, those are not bad guesses. Um, yeah, okay, sure. we've got time for one more game. You got time here? Won't take long, Evan. Mm-hmm. Okay, right, this is called wins and Whoopins. So looking back over the span of your entire career, can you point to one win that sticks out to you for any reason, really memorable, it can be an awesome win or your best win or a comeback? Or beating somebody who used to beat you all the time or headlocking some kid in third grade or, or I think you started wrestling in fourth or fifth. Whatever, right? It can be any match from your entire career that sticks out, NCAs, trials, whatever. And then like one whooping that you took that was like – it just – you remember it. It stands out in your memory and you walked off the mat and you shook your head and you didn't know what happened. You can do either one first. Um...
2: I would say the best win I ever had is I got two. Either when I beat Logan Massa the first time ever, that was like what really established me and what I was really able to tell myself, man, I could like an All American, I could be an NCAA champion. That was my my first year in college. And then uh win another win was uh Hayden Hidley between my junior and senior year at Fargo it was a really good match. I was down eight points and I was not ranked in the country and he was number one in the country and I beat him. That was pretty good. Some pretty serious whoopings I used to take were in the beginning by the Thomas brothers. Um, They both used to kick the living crap out of me. And I think every kid when they go in, at least I thought, was like, I'm going to come in and I'm going to be like a prodigy. Like I'm going to be the best kid that wrestling has ever seen. And then when like Justin Thomas, Jeremy Thomas, and then there was a kid named Joseph Dominguez, they just beat the living crap out of me. So that was like a real... That was when I came back down to reality. It was like, okay, I'm going to have to work pretty hard for this. (laughs) Um, But those beatings were pretty bad. Didn't get beat up too much in high school. Um, A pretty embarrassing loss was my loss against Vincenzo Joseph in the duel. My junior year, I think it was. I invited my girlfriend, who was not my girlfriend at the time. I I just met her, and I was like, hey, if you want to come to a wrestling match, I'm gonna be wrestling the number one ranked guy in the country. I was like super confident about this. I was, like I'm gonna be wrestling the number one ranked guy in the country, and she didn't really know me at the time, but she came and she brought every friend she ever had, and I got <laughs> beat up by Vincenzo Joseph. <laughs> but I guess it was a good test. She still wanted to hang out after that, and we've been dating for a year and a half now.
0: I maybe had some sympathy points,
2: probably yeah, that was probably a good strategy.
0: <laughs> well it worked out it win-win. what's that
2: it was a win-win if i win i look like superman if i lose then i get some sympathy points
0: yeah yeah well good for you and I'm glad to hear it sounds like things things are working out just fine for you guys so um man it's been fun chatting with you for for this show and kind of hearing your story more i really enjoyed uh this conversation we are going to give you the final word anything you want to say about anything
2: uh, Me and all my buddies, my teammates, are going to be wrestling at Michigan State this upcoming weekend. Um, It's going to be fun. I can't wait. I think Cal Poly's got some super awesome, incredible things going on here. I think we're doing stuff differently than any other college wrestling program is doing. I can't wait.
0: Awesome, man. Well, Evan, best luck to you at Michigan State and uh, the rest of your career, college and otherwise. Thanks so much for joining us, and have a great day.
2: Thank you guys so much for having me. Can't wait for the top 100 list.
0: Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. You have a good one. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. For Evan Wick. Um, yeah. Awesome guy to talk with. Really enjoyed this conversation, Kyle. Really did too. And man, if you
1: don't do it, I got to put a plug in that your birthday's tomorrow.
0: <laughs> I will turn 35 tomorrow. That is true. <laughs>
1: For the drop of the top 100, you get to celebrate your birth. So I will celebrate it every single day of my life. You just celebrate it once a year.
0: Top 100 comes out tomorrow. For Kyle Klingman, I'm Mark Bader. Thanks so much. We'll see you guys.